Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Think Like a Human. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Will Cilio, and today we're going to be talking about empathy and the part that it should or shouldn't be playing in our lives uh, and moral decision-making. I'm super stoked for what we're going to be talking about today because empathy's been a really big part of my life and just how I live it. And so this was a really big, enriching perspective, and it gave me a lot to think about. The ideas that we are discussing um, were from psychologist philosopher Paul Bloom, uh, who is a professor at Yale. He came to the ATH last year, um, and for those of you who don't know what the ATH is, uh, it's a platform for various speakers with a, a wide range of ideas, and these speakers come and they uh, present their ideas and there's room for questions, um, and it's like a big old fancy dinner thing. Uh, it's super fun. Yeah, so this guy, Paul Bloom, came to the ATH last year, and my friend and fellow philosophy student at CMC, Elliot Belling, uh, went to the talk, and he was super inspired by what he heard, um, and he's here to talk about it on the show. Actually, a fun little backstory that I just want to share with you guys, um, the inspiration for this podcast really came from this uh, series of just like long drives that I've been going on the past uh, semester like going up to Mammoth to go skiing or out to LA to go surfing or back up to my home in the Bay Area. Um, and the people who were with me most on those drives um, were friends of mine like uh, Elliot and Alex and Corey. And um, a lot of these drives just turned into these hours-long philosophy chats um, where we would just be sitting there driving for five, six hours and just talking. And... Um, I really wanted to keep doing that this summer and was really inspired to do that this summer. And so that's what, um, that's what think like a human is. That's what, um, this whole podcast has kind of grown into. Um, so anyways, um, this episode really came full circle, um, because we recorded, me and Elliot recorded this podcast down at Stanford in my dad's camper van, back in my dad's camper van. And so that was a very, very fun experience. Anyways, hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did, and stay tuned for more content in the coming weeks. Elliot, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Happy um, to. This is sweet. I'm stoked to be talking with you about this uh, this philosopher that you've, um, or philosopher, psychologist, he kind of toes the line. Yeah, um, foot in both worlds. Yeah, foot in both worlds. But he um, he came and spoke at the ATH, right? He did. Uh, and you were you went to the talk and such and... Got super inspired or something? Yeah. Yeah, it was Tell really us about the, uh, the experience. Um, yeah, so I was recommended to go to the ATH by the philosophy department. It's always really cool to see these professionals try to kind of make these very abstract, very like heavily reasoned ideas mm -hmm. more consumable to an everyday audience. Um, right. Because right. that it really is the objective of the ATH is to take all of these different um, disciplines and try to present them to a body of students who all study different things and make everybody interested. Um, and yeah, he was particularly interesting because I have spent a lot of time kind of <clears throat> undoing my, uh, I guess, liking of empathy. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. After a good friend of mine who was actually our woe leader um, and kind of one of, somebody who I consider to have been a mentor in college, started introducing me to the idea that empathy might not be the most positive force in the world. 
Um, so as soon as I heard that some dude was writing a book about that, I was like, okay, count me in. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. For sure. You're already kind of hinting at the ideas. Why don't you give us a little a little bit of the background? What was, what was the talk about? Yeah, for sure. So um, I think I was a little bit unusual in terms of the typical um, perspective that the audience members came in with. I think a lot of them came to that talk to perhaps argue against him, right, <laughs> considering right, right, right. Uh, the kind of uh, knee-jerk reaction that most people have to the title of his talk, which was Against Empathy, the Case for Rational Compassion. Um, and it was very um, kind of indicative the way that he started. He basically started by saying, so I know that a lot of people, when they first hear what I'm talking about, are going to think that I'm just the worst person in the whole world. Um, so I'm going to start by explaining why that's not the case and then yeah. do the rest of my talk. <laughs> um, so yeah, so basically um, he is making this case that empathy might not be fit to serve the role that we've attempted to kind of elevate it to mm-hmm. in society and in morality. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first step that he has to take in doing so is defining empathy, um, since we usually extend that definition to include a lot of things that he doesn't think um, should be included in it. Um, so yeah, that, that was how he kicked things off. But that's kind of the initial groundwork right? Um, right. necessary to kind of get into the ideas that he's talking about. How did he define empathy specifically? Yeah, so he started by saying that most people view empathy as um, most simply the ability to, quote, like walk in somebody else's shoes right. or right, right, right. Um, another kind of saying that gives somebody the impression that they are able to see the world through somebody else's eyes. Like all of these different like kind of, I don't know, mm-hmm. like phrases that we have to describe feeling what somebody else is feeling um sharing in the experience of somebody else's life in mm. a way that gives us the ability to um, kind of have a window into their decision-making. Right, um, right, right. Share and the perspective. The mo- yeah, and the motivations of. that that led to it. Um, yeah. And he thinks that a lot of people extend empathy to include kind of like all good motivation that we have mm-hmm. in the world, mm-hmm. sort of. Um, it's kind of like this feeling that causes us to take good actions. Right. Um, and he just thinks that that is completely false and that there are a ton of other motivational factors that lead us to what we would usually consider to be like moral actions. So like ma- actions that have what we would consider good worth or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that empathy is really strictly just um, the ability or attempt to um, like stand in somebody else's shoes and see the world through their eyes. Right, right. Which he kind of describes um, as sort of like a, a tool, I guess, yeah. that could be used for good or evil. Absolutely. But it is amoral. Yeah, Was, absolutely. I think, his, his, his distinction there. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's a really good point. Right. And, um, so, and so what does he... He, he, he definitely um, has to have morality grounded in something. So what, what, what is it for him? Yeah, so uh, he is trying to make the case for what he calls rational compassion. So... He believes that when we place our um, confidence in empathy to lead us to make moral decisions, Mm -hmm. that it actually contradicts with what we believe to be true about moral decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really the root of his whole argument. And he thinks that rational compassion aligns with what we believe to be true about moral decisions. So the easiest example to kind of um, showcase what he's talking about um, is a psychological study that was done. And so basically a bunch of researchers got 
um, uh, two groups of people together. Um, one group was kind of the um, recipient of the uh, actor of the psychological study, and the other group was a set of actors. Um, so, yeah. Uh, okay, so they had 10 people in a room, and they would have one person who was um, in another room with a two-way, with like a one-way mirror, so that only they could see into the room. Um, and they would see all of the people, and then be given an amount of money to distribute amongst the individuals in the room. Um, and I might be getting this slightly wrong, so whoever did the research study, don't sue me if I get the details incorrect, but you'll get the gist of it. Uh, and then they would have another person um, who would go into the two, like the room with the two-way mirror and then um, go and meet somewhere between, I think they did it with one, two, and three people who were inside the room and then decide how to allocate the money. Um, and unsurprisingly, the individuals who met one or more people allocated more money towards the people that they had met. Um, mm -hmm. And they were, of course, like explained some story as to why those people needed money when they met with them. Um, and there are a number of like factors that could be influencing their decision making within that process. But um, one of the major takeaways was that like empathy can cause you to be partial towards individuals and allocate resources just like unjustly in the sense right. that it's not equal. Right. Um, so that just kind of like kicked off his whole um, spiel into kind of the um, inability that empathy has to align itself with like what we would typically consider to be just moral decision making, which would be allocating the resources evenly. Right, right. So it's almost like he's, he's taking the position that... Um that empathy can, in fact, sort of warp um, our moral decision-making exactly. and point us in the wrong direction. Yep. Right. And that then when those people are asked, like, what is the moral thing to do in this situation? Of course, they say allocate the money evenly between all parties. Um, right. So there's this, like, disconnect between what we think empathy is doing for us um, and then what we actually believe to be the right thing to do in the world. Right. Um, so that was really his whole point was that, like, Empathy misguides our attention yeah. um, towards these, like, yeah. individual actors that have, like, such a power to um, elicit an empathetic response from us. And that then we consider the actions that we take from that emotion to be moral when they're not. Right. So yeah. his whole argument then is that um, empathy basically has nothing to do with, or, or not nothing to do, but we should, because... Um, as we can see, it's got plenty to do with uh, with morality, at least in our daily lives. But yeah. he's arguing that we should be removing it, basically, um, from our from our moral considerations. And, yeah, and use l l not using it as as much in those scenarios. I mean, he's not. He says it himself he's not um, he's not against empathy as an idea overall. You know, as a, as an ability to uh, to put oneself in another person's shoes. Um, he in fact talks about how he feels like the um, some of the distinct pleasures of of parenthood or like things that yeah. cause people to be parents is that by being a parent you um, it, like it's it's such a it's it's a really strong indulgence in empathy in how you're um, you're experiencing things that you've experienced a million times before. I think he brings up the example of fireworks. Yep. Um, and you're experiencing it for the first time through someone else's eyes, um, and it's a powerful thing. Because, and that's a powerful thing, and yeah. that's and that's and that's be all because of an empathetic response. Yeah. 
But what he is arguing uh, is that it has no place in um, in our moral decision making and in considering how we should allocate resources, where who we should help, etc. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that actually introduces a really important point around this, which is that humans derive a tremendous amount of pleasure from empathy. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that that's actually one of the reasons he doesn't go as far as to say this in a lot of his talks, but. Um, I have a feeling that, I don't know, he's an extremely intelligent individual, so I have a feeling that at least this thought has occurred to him. Um, but it seems, at least from my perspective, that that's one of the big reasons that empathy has taken on this role in society, mm -hmm. um, is that we do feel good about the actions that we take on an empathetic basis. Right, right. Um, and so from the pure hedonistic pleasure of it almost, yeah. When we when we think that we should be taking moral actions, we take empathetic actions instead because... They make us feel good. Absolutely. Uh, and a moral action doesn't necessarily do that. And they still have that, like, highly selfless component. Um, right. That, like, moral action... That is usually required of moral actions. Right. Um, but they lack the kind of... Not objectivity in the, like, self-denial aspect of it, but objectivity in the seeing all people as equals aspect yeah. of it. Um, right. Right. That usually moral decisions require. Yeah, so he's, so he's coming at it from a psychological side, but... I can totally see this playing into, um, in I like not only does it just play into like you know um, morals and everything, but I can see it even more strongly and directly playing into philosophy through the ideas of like the um, the three schools of ethics of deontology, consequentialism, and virtue ethics, um, and I I see it more specifically aligned with deontology, um, especially especially the ideas of Immanuel Kant. Um, because Kant is the we've I think we've mentioned this already the the point of view of the universe, um, so to speak is um, is an idea of Kant's. It's his idea that we should be um, when we're making moral judgments, when we're trying to figure out what we should be doing, like what is the moral action to do in X, Y, and Z scenario. Um, what one should do specifically is sort of remove oneself from the situation and think from the point of view of the universe, from the point of view of everything, um, what should, what, what is the moral action? Um, so to remove yourself completely and everything and, um, <clears throat> a little bit of backstory, me and Elliot actually took a class two semesters ago now, right? Yeah. Two semesters That's ago, crazy. um, with professor Hurley at CMC called ethical theory, where, um, it was just very, very strongly based in the three schools of ethics and, um, so we spent a bit of time on each one and uh, plenty of time with deontology and Kant. And so just going back to that class uh, and a lot of the thoughts that it was coming out of the class for me with deontology was um, I really, I, it, it made rational sense what Kant was saying, but what I had an issue with, um, I, had, I had a very big issue with, with, the, with his idea in that I felt like there wasn't any sort of binding force for um, people to act morally, right? So he's saying, right. here's what you should do to act morally. You should remove yourself from the situation, think from the point of view of the universe, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact of the matter is, is people just don't do that. Yeah. And in everyday life, I feel like it's just so easy to constantly give yourself a break. Like imagine, imagine you're late for something, late for an appointment, et cetera, and... Pretty much, I think, a well-known fact that speeding and, um, and like, especially aggressive driving 
it's less fuel efficient um, because you're you're slowing down and speeding up a lot more and um, those changes of acceleration burn up a lot more gas than than just driving slowly yep. uh, and so you're late you're gonna speed aggressive you're gonna you're gonna speed you're gonna drive ag- aggressively because you're late because it's so easy to pay attention to your own specific situation rather than to think oh if I thought from the point of view of the universe, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't speed and drive right. aggressively. Right. Perhaps not because, like, for, for, there's plenty of other reasons. Maybe you would think that, um, oh, it's, uh, it's, um, it's dangerous to do so and I'd be putting other people in harm's way. But, right. but further than that, um, that's, that's an easy, that's an easy consideration to make. And, but like, but further than that, it's the, the thought of the environment and yep. you're going to be, um, you're going to be causing a lot of environmental or not a lot of, but, uh, but marginally more environmental damage than than you would by driving um, normally. Yep. And so, with that in mind, um, I guess my only a little bit of a pushback on on Bloom's position, um, if we're to align it with with Immanuel Kant's point of view of the universe ideas, I can totally see um, something being that maybe we're not ready for this. Um, like, are we are we capable of doing away with empathy? in our moral decision making or is it possible that maybe empathy is in some ways the best we can do and it's going to it's going to cause us to do good actions because it feels good and maybe that the truth of the matter is is we're not going to do good actions otherwise and so yeah. we kind of need this sort of kick in the butt from empathy to to do any sort of morally good action yeah so i think there's kind of two directions to go in from that um so the first one is really getting to the bottom of the root cause for us desiring to commit moral actions. So if uh, if empathy really is kind of the best that we can do, um, that requires that we admit that our motivations for moral actions um, really are hedonistic. So right. Right, it right, requires right. that the only reason that we're doing things that we believe to be Um, good in and of themselves um, is because they're good for us and at least on like a personal note um, I like can't bring myself to see the world that way Um, I just I don't know it's probably my mother's fault but I (laughs) have just like a very strong desire to do good by other people Um, and so it really comes from that motivation that I find myself required to reject empathy as a method of making those moral decisions because it does not allow me to do what I consider to be the best for other people. Um, And I think that is Bloom's hope as well, um, is that people do have this desire to do good in the world. And so then it really becomes this matter of figuring out what that means. Um, And we seem to have come up with this idea that that means being empathetic towards people. And so that's what he's pushing up against. Because Mm -hmm. for most people, they define that as um, like acting in accordance with moral virtues or taking moral actions if you're a Kantian or achieving the best outcome if you're a consequentialist. Um, But in all of those cases, um, empathy does not achieve the best moral action. Yeah. Um, So... It's interesting because as long as we do, um, like as long as we do believe in our own motivation to do good, um, we are required 
at least rationally, according to Bloom, to reject empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. his substitute for that, what he calls rational compassion, um, is really just um, trying to take out the um, almost like eye contact elicited reaction to other people's suffering when we go to alleviate it. And that's the problem with empathy. So his whole claim is like, instead of reacting based on that emotion that you feel towards the individual, um, because of like an individual one-on-one relationship that is developed no matter how quickly, even if it's just like in an instant, um, Mm -hmm. or like in an ad on TV where you see like one starving child on an, like on an ad that's attempting for you to like provide humanitarian aid, um, instead of being motivated by that, be motivated by directly by your desire to do good by others and rationally take that to its conclusion of attempting to distribute that um, good that you're trying to provide in as equal of a manner as possible. Um, so that's kind of the first, like, I guess, uh, debate that is spurred by his point um, is like, where does that motivation come from? Because if it comes from wanting to do good by others and we define that as not being partial to any of the people that we are doing good by, um, then rational compassion is a better moral decision maker than empathy. But if we believe that, so there's two possibilities. Um, If we believe that a, our own motivation for taking moral actions is more self-interested than it is truly moral, um, then it's possible that empathy is actually a better moral decision maker because we would not be motivated to do anything selfless Mm. whatsoever Mm -hmm. by rational compassion because there's no like emotional component that brings us any pleasure. Right. Um, And then second, it's possible that uh, we believe that about other people. um, And so we believe empathy to be this kind of, um, this kind of like first step towards moral decision making that doesn't get them there but that introduces some of the kind of like groundwork and um like emotional intelligence that's necessary to get there um so it's almost like this it's almost like this kind of like first baby step um you could almost see it evolutionarily totally yeah totally yeah like you're saying a necessary first step or a way that we could kind of bootstrap our way towards actual morality um and i could like evolutionarily i can see that as i I could see that as um as having been a part of 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 our um evolution because i feel like a a very important first step to being able to want to do good for someone else is to i guess see that there is another someone else yeah i can see it as being perhaps like um a necessary first step for our predecessors uh our ancestors in um, evolving morals is, you know, a necessary first step is, is seeing that there is someone else, that other person over there matters just as much as, um, much as you do. Like there's a, there's a certain aspect of that that I feel like is tied up in placing oneself in the other's shoes. Yeah. And just shared experience, right? Like that's, that's the biggest part, um, for me is like, I guess probably the best example, um, is they've done, a few research studies into workplace environments mm-hmm. and kind of like uh, implicit discrimination in workplace environments. Um, and 
simply the exposure to um, like individuals that have any of the um, like elements that you're biased against, right? Whether it's race, whether it's sexuality, whether it's gender, whatever mm-hmm. it is, um, just being exposed to them in the workplace and using our capacity for empathy um, to cause individuals to have to recognize that their beliefs about um, people who are in every way equal to them mm-hmm. are equal to them um, because they're just every day faced with the fact that they're doing the same work at the same yeah. level of competency, yeah. right, or yeah. maybe even above, um, does have a tremendous effect on the bias of the workplace. Right. So that's right. like a really interesting example where empathy is kind of this like way into motivation to be moral. Right. Um, right, and that right, right. then once you have this like properly developed, um, desire to do good by others that isn't being biased by these, um, completely just like unrelated confounding factors, mm-hmm. um, such as like racial discrimination and gender discrimination, all of these things, then you're in a place where you can actually like execute moral actions that have proper moral worth. Um, and it definitely at some point requires that you then reject empathy. Right. Um, right. But that perhaps without it, you would never have gotten there. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's interesting because it seems to point. I mean, Bloom is Bloom is making a very strong case against empathy at all in, in moral decision making. Yep. I feel like I feel like I wonder if, yeah, if he's going too far and instead it should be maybe not rejecting empathy, but just recognizing empathy for what it truly is yep um and recognizing it as a force that um that can be used for good and can be used for evil and a force that um that is biased and a force that is all the things that he's all the different ways that he's described it absolutely um and i wonder if if maybe that's a maybe that's the correct response i guess yeah um i almost see it as like a tool to increase one's capacity for emotional intelligence. Yeah, um, totally. And that that is very helpful in terms of making moral decisions. Um, and that, like we said before, like it can be extremely motivating at the beginning. But yeah, it certainly does not get you to where um, kind of like extremely morally developed people desire to go. So I think, I think the I think like an important almost like disclaimer on his book is that it seems to assume from the beginning this desire to do good by others, this like moral motivation. Right. right. Um, and that assuming that that exists in people, his book is correct. Yes. Um, because yes. that is kind of like the next step that should be taken because right. there is an inherent contradiction between that belief and actions taken from empathy that mm-hmm. are believed to be moral. Um, right. right. So, that all kind of lines up well. It's really for these other cases where, mm-hmm. like, that motivation perhaps has been um, really kind of fundamentally, um, yeah, just, like, stunted um, yeah. to a certain extent. Totally. Um, and, like, you can see that happen in, like, cases of extreme trauma as well, where people have to, like, reject an entire, like, emotional world that becomes too painful to experience um i don't know there's just a number of tv shows that kind of explore this idea dexter is probably the most famous example of it um and that like really in those cases 
getting people to empathize again is probably the first step that should be taken because talking to them about something like rational compassion probably holds no moral worth considering right. that the like motivation to abide by that rational thought process and the result of it just doesn't exist. Right. It's almost like it's needed as a certain doorway yep. into exactly um, that entire headspace and yep. being able to conceive of it. Yeah, yeah. super interesting. Um, yeah. It's almost like the equivalent of... Um, I don't know, like developing language to motivate you to academic pursuits or something like that. Like it's a very, it's like a very fundamental framework that empathy allows you to build out. Empathy is um, a gateway drug. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, to drug. rational compassion. Yeah. But yeah, um, it's, yeah, it's a really interesting idea um, because it definitely um, is something that is just so societally revered that mm-hmm. even starting a conversation mm-hmm. um, just because of kind of the barriers that our reverence for empathy has created. Yeah. But once you start it, like it's very clear that my, the root motivation for my beliefs in empathy um, contradict with its results. Yeah. Um, Bloom talks about this. He talks about empathy as a sort of tool or like a, um, a capacity that, someone has to put oneself in another sho- in another's shoes right and if we're if we're to hold empathy to be this thing that makes us that actually makes us feel good um absolutely it's funny because i have i have definitely felt good about myself simply because oh wow i'm just such an empathetic person <laughs> i'm i'm you know i'm the greatest person <laughs> in the world i'm just so empathetic and, yeah and and thoughtful and i can feel other people's pain and it uh it guides me to be moral i've i've, I've had those thoughts absolutely so have <laughs> and, I. yeah so have I. And, and still do exactly sure. and still do 100%. and 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 the funny thing is is um if, if we're to take paul bloom to be uh to be right then i'm completely wrong <laughs> <laughs> it's true but i yeah. think but uh, but but in a certain way i guess i don't know i i do maybe it isn't perfect but it has a certain amount of it has to have rubbed off i guess um because the fact of the matter is is i don't know i i in 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 being an empathetic person at all it's opened up this whole world for me of taking joy in helping other people absolutely and wanting to to um do right by other people and um i've actually honestly had to fight against it in many relationships and many um, aspects of my life just to remind myself that I am in fact my own person yep. with my own motivations and that you can only do so much to make other people happy. Yep. Um, and I've, and it's, it's, it's almost like this whole other, like it's, 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 it's like Bloom says, it's a, it's a force for good and it's a force for evil, Absolutely. even in my own life. Um, and so that's a very, I don't know, I guess that's a, it's very interesting in that I don't know if I could do away with it. Yeah. And so if I'm not going to be able to do away with it, what should, what should I do instead? What's the correct response? And I think, um, I think Bloom would even agree with this, that, uh, that the correct response through rational compassion in a certain sense is not to do away with the empathy, but just to like recognize it and just to be able to distance yourself from it and see when, um, like take that initial, impulse reaction and to kind of just of, of, of empathy and to take a step back from that and to be able to consider what it's telling you to do 
and whether or not that fits with your moral beliefs. Yeah. Um, and I think that there are going to be times when it does fit and when times when it doesn't. And um, hopefully one's rational um, or at least more rational side will be able to um, to make that decision. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also think that if you do go through that process to recognize um, what empathy is really doing for you, mm-hmm. um, it still can be an incredibly enriching part of life. Yes. I think that's absolutely. a really important thing to recognize is that Bloom is really only rejecting it in the moral sense, like you yeah. said. But like if you kind of use, because empathy still does play a role in the moral world in that even if you're participating in empathetically motivated actions, um, simply because you enjoy them, it does kind of nurture this um, selflessness that is required of truly moral actions um, or of like, justly moral actions or Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call actions motivated by rational compassion um and to recognize that but still participate in it i would say is a very necessary and healthy part of life yeah that like having people that are very close to you who you feel that you can develop a like a real relationship with to the point that you can empathize with them maybe better than most people in the world and then to do so and to like yeah, just to really enjoy that process and that closeness and mm-hmm. the things that you're able to do for them as a result. Um, and to even do that um, for instances where the empathy is evoked like very quickly through people that you don't know. Right. Um, like even if right. you, I don't know, perhaps like, what's a good example? You hold um, a door for someone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You see someone that somebody's... That you, someone that you don't know. You uh, see that yeah. somebody's carrying a ton of stuff and you like hold the door open for them, right? Like yeah. even just like small gestures like that where... If you were to totally reject empathy, um, you might make different decisions around them mm-hmm. um, that could be considered more objectively moral. Um, to participate in empathy at that point becomes kind of like for the same reason that you, I don't know, for the same reasons that you eat like really, really good junk food where like it's a really enjoyable experience but it also like develops this like appreciation for <laughs> like very good food at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like it's, it's like something that um, just doesn't necessarily do what we want it, like what we believe it to do today, but that doesn't mean that it's unhealthy in any way. Right. It just right, means right, right. that when we go in everyday life to do what we do as humans, which is to try to basically fulfill our desires, um, there's, if morality and moral action is one of those desires, there's a more direct path to it than empathy. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that there's no place for it. In yeah. Lives. Yeah. Totally. That's all. Yeah. Cause it's tremendously enjoyable, especially totally. like for a parent to reject empathy would be catastrophic and just like incredibly tragic. Yeah. Right? Like that would just be just such a huge loss of the experience. Yeah. I just, I, it's, it's hard for me to even imagine a world without, yeah. without empathy, yeah. without, Exactly. Um, that sort of connection with other people because that's such a exactly enormous part of my life that I value. Um, exactly. And, and there should be no guilt in that, right? And like there it should, should be, be. There shouldn't be. Yeah. It should be totally honest, but it should just be truthful in understanding what it's doing. Yes, and especially with one's moral motivations. Yep. Um, yeah. There, there is an even, an even um, bigger. I guess there's more at stake. Uh, yeah. Because what what is at stake is. Um, is one's one's actions and exactly. and one's moral actions and and one's moral worth and one's moral worth absolutely yeah 
yeah. So it's it's super interesting stuff. Um, yeah. So Paul Bloom has a book called uh, Against Empathy: The Case for Rational Compassion. It's pretty long, so he also has some YouTube videos that are a little bit more approachable. Um, but he's written a lot of stuff about this. Um, his kind of specialty is like the evolution of morals in people, so mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense that he would have ended up here. Um, but yeah, he's a super interesting guy, um, and I don't know. I like I personally am glad that he introduced this topic to me. Yeah. Even though, yeah, from the beginning, I was extremely uh, adverse to it. Right. Right. Um, it's a it's a good, enriching perspective. Exactly. I guess. And it definitely allows me to to live a life that I feel is more representative of um, the life that I want to lead. Right. Um, right. Which is is I don't know is important yeah, for sure totally so but yeah um thanks Paul Bloom for uh, thanks Paul Bloom for exposing us to this uh this new perspective absolutely and shout out to Nikki Blum for I don't know perhaps unveiling the curtain from the beginning so that I was willing to go to that talk nice considering its name yeah um and thank you yeah. Elliot for for sitting down and talking with us on the podcast thanks for having me really on. appreciate it's a it a freaking pleasure dude oh my god yeah this stuff is really cool. So as you might imagine, this whole experience of diving deep into Paul Bloom has been super interesting for me, and I feel like it's given me a more holistic understanding of empathy and the force that it plays in our lives and really exposed me to new ideas about uh, what place it should hold in our lives, our moral decision-making, etc. And it puts a lot of my own emotional content into perspective, honestly, Um, just showing me how often my desire to do good could perhaps be unbeknownst to me, um, sort of guided by this very highly partial force. So hopefully, uh, with some Aristotelian Buddhist reflection, see episode one, I can take a step back and think about if this uh, empathetic reaction fits with my moral beliefs or not, and knowing sometimes that it won't be, and that's okay. So as for any sort of um, final consensus on uh, Paul Bloom's ideas, I feel like Paul Bloom brings up a very good point, but perhaps he takes um, maybe too hard of a stand. I totally recognize that empathy perhaps isn't the best that we could hope for in a moral decision-making in theory, but at the same time, it leaves open the question of, in practice, perhaps there will be some cases where, where empathy is necessary to sort of bootstrap our way to a morality. And who knows? It may have even been a vital part of our development of truly more uh, objective morals, I guess one could say. Anyways, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, I hope that today's show was not only fun, but perhaps set off some trains of thought to new and interesting destinations. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the episode, or honestly even have ideas for future episodes, or general feedback about the show... um, feel free to shoot me an email at wcilio20 at cmc.edu. Thanks again for listening. I'm Will Cilio, and this is Think Like a Human. <laughs>